This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's the bane of many a student's life and, by extension, many parents' homework. Should it be set at all? For what ages and how much of it? Many schools have no homework policies, while other schools believe in setting up study habits from a young age. Indeed, the debate has toed and froed, as they say. Education consultant and parenting commentator Joseph Dreesen's been weighing up the arguments. Joseph, good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome, Catherine. Does it remain a bit of a controversial area? Uh, for some families, uh, it is controversial. For other families, it's not. So there's a wide range of values uh, operating in families about the value of homework. So some families have this idea that the, uh, the children should have a golden childhood. They should uh, go to school and come home and, and play sport and, and be part of the family life. And that homework is a burden and it, should be, it shouldn't be sad. It's all nonsense. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got family who absolutely disagree with that. And they believe their children should be uh, uh, practicing the work they've done at school, consolidating, and they should be doing their homework and develop independent work habits. And there's a whole range uh, in between. And both teachers and parents can be quite divided about the value of it. The purpose of it actually is an interesting point just right at the outset because it's one thing to get you know established in, yep. in a habit and a routine versus whether just piling on more and more of uh, something you've done during the day is necessarily going to academically or cognitively or any other way assist you. And uh, again, is that where some of the studies have gone looking as to how much, what kind and in what circumstances? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, um, I think... Uh, there's a moderate middle way and, and say I've got a little paradigm which some parents might enjoy listening to and actually if you multiply the age of the child by say in a junior primary by uh, by five uh, two minutes so a five-year-old does 10 minutes worth of reading and uh, and then a 10 year old might do 20 minutes worth that's that's very little that is not a burden in a, in a well-run family uh, in, a, in a secondary school a junior primary student should probably a junior secondary should probably do say three quarters an hour, which again, if you divide it into two, is not a lot. And only in the senior secondary school uh, does a student have to do two or three hours or one or two hours a day if they want to keep up. But so it doesn't have to be a massive burden at all. But what the research does show is that um, uh, practice and thinking. And, and, and re-rehearsing the, the, the examples and thinking about the problems actually makes an enormous difference. So, for example, new entrance teachers would be would agree with me that those parents who read with their children just for five, ten minutes a day and those children who steadily do those readers, it's a big effort for them initially, uh, but gradually they grab it and grasp it and they make a big improvement. And that applies to everything. What what do you see as the purpose? That's one thing, to reinforce some learning or to, to practice something, especially like reading yep. where you really are doing some very hard yards early on. Yeah. That's one thing. Is there also the argument, as we said, for just the straight-out work habit, discipline establishment, 
I mean, I can remember, and I imagine you can too, just even going and sitting in your room seemed like a major exercise, especially on a you know cold winter's uh, afternoon or evening. And is there an argument also for just establishing that kind of a routine and that kind of, uh, dare I use the word, discipline or, or, or practice? Yeah, definitely. Especially if uh, if the parents actually uh, are wise and associate uh, doing a little bit of homework and a little bit of work with sort of a happiness and pleasure. And so that the whole cold, dark bedroom isolated from your family is in fact quite counterproductive. Uh, we, are, we are sort of social animals. So some families are much more enlightened than that. They sit at the kitchen table and one of the parents sits there, does their work. The child feels supported emotionally. Uh, it's warm. They're part of the family. And the whole family sends a big message to the child. We're here to support you and your homework or your independent study is important to us. And so the whole negative connotations of being sent away, and it's a horrible thing, is in fact counterproductive and wise families make it in fact uh, a pleasure it's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to uh, to do your own little projects and and get the enjoyment from it before i cut you loose on on your main points and particularly how you think or how you calculate how much is enough there's something else that occurs here, and whether or not it's a cold, dark bedroom, or whether it's just coming in from what you want to do or getting off the device, which is probably a fairly new um, component in this whole um, argument, actually, as well, that constant kind of switched on, back to the device tendency that many of us have, and certainly many young younger people have. Is there also a, a bit of a mental barrier, particularly if you're going to get into some intense work, you know, you might be in the thick of your NCA assignments or exam prep, there's a natural mental barrier, isn't there, to be overcome. The brain is pretty good at minimising uh, its energy exertions uh, in the human being. And again, just learning the, the, the routine to be able to structure and then plan and go and do a body of work, is that also um, oh, a, a, an important component? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, like everything is habit-forming. And so, for example... If you learn to play the piano, well, then you've got to form the habit of practicing your pieces. And initially, it's an effort. But if you do this on a regular, structured basis and your family supports you, then you'll enjoy it. Or the same with uh, learning to shoot basketball hoops. It takes practice. And so the children, like the families who believe that the practices should be laid down when they're very young and when their neural development is still developing, those children find it easy to learn that it's a game. For, they, for them, it's easy. And by the time those children are eight or nine, it's just second nature to them to sit down and, and, and do that work with the support of their family. And that is really critically important when they come to the hard graft of senior secondary school, where unless you do two hours a night, you're not going to make it. You're just going to coast through and just get your credits if you're lucky. But you're not going to get the achieves and the merits or the A's and the B's. And you'll find that a whole lot of doors are shutting to you in terms of entrance exams uh, to higher courses, uh, which is completely unnecessary. If you just had learned that habit earlier and done that homework and that slot, you would have been fine. How are families doing it well then? Because, um, I mean, it sounds lovely that, that um, you know, everyone sits down and the, or, or there's a, you know, a shared communal area for doing this, but there are also many stories of the kids who just simply absolutely don't want to, or they might sit down, but they're not going to participate. So how do you um, constructively build that environment? 
Uh, I think it's that the parents set set a culture of expectation and and validation that it's really important, and uh, those kind of families. Uh, by modeling themselves, by the wider whānau modeling, that it's important, by their positive support. And uh, and also they, they're quite structured. They, it's sort of, you know, if you really think about it, it's really weird. We make the children go to school. We spend vast amount of money on their school uniforms. And then when it comes to the crunch of doing independent work, we allow the children to opt out. That's really weird. You know, would we allow the children to opt out of riding to school without a bike helmet? We would not. And so the families are very supportive, but they're also quite authoritative. And the child just thinks this is how we do it around here. And they just do it. They just enjoy the support. But the key there to remember, Catherine, is that the research shows that the families where this works really well, the parents are very emotionally supportive. They they actually change their own lives in order to help the child to attain that goal. And so the child realizes, wow, it's, it's, it's a really important thing and my family's behind me. It's when that doesn't happen and the family just thinks, oh, it's all going to happen at school and homework is a waste of time, uh, that the child feels non-supported and that psychological um, sort of safety isn't there. And then they find it all very hard because they actually got to do their own thing in opposition to the hidden curriculum or the messages of their family. So that makes it harder for the child. They're conflicted. You talk about the the time, the rough you know, rule of thumb calculation of, of time. Uh, time is one thing, and that makes sense for, you know, for littlies um, to, to be, you know, not making it a long period of time. Everything feels longer to them in many ways. But what about what you're doing? To you, what is good homework and what is potentially not? Uh, that's really interesting because good homework is like there's a revolution going in our schools where we realize where many the whole pedagogy is changing and we realize that if it can capture the child's own interest, its own culture, its own goals and vision, then they'll learning is a pleasure. It's, just, it's not work anymore. And so schools are very interested in, in orientating students to their own interests and to do their project what they are interested in. And so good homework is just a continuation of actually learning to manage yourself to try and get something finished you really enjoy. And so the key is that the student should think this is fun, this is great. And you can you can do homework projects, family projects, you name it, research projects, which at, at the child's age, which they think is really interesting and they find it incredibly rewarding. That's number one. The second one is that a lot of practice needs to happen for a child actually to rewire its brain to understand the higher concepts. That is just a fact. Um, so even learning your times table, it's very simplistically, uh, but, but learning the higher concepts of algebra and mathematics and history and timelines and, and, and critical analysis, it takes practice. And so if the homework makes it impossible for the child to do it, because they haven't got the skills. That's an exercise in futility and frustration. And so a great teacher sets a homework assignment which the child can do and, and which they have the resources for, the textbooks, the, the practice, the work examples, and, the, and they just practice that. Well, at what point might you expect more independent? Actually, let's, let's flip this on its head, because another important point that you've been making and do make is that some of this is also about teaching strategy and managing what becomes at high school, many would say, in fact, principals are increasingly saying far too heavy an assessment workload. Nonetheless, it is what it is now. And 
it's teaching the skills of being able to plan and prepare and break down into manageable chunks a body of work over time. So what do you see as the role of homework and indeed the supportive role of the parents or others in helping develop that skill? Yeah, that's a really great point, um, Catherine, because for many children, they don't have those skills and it overwhelms them. But in a great family, they, they coach these things. They sit down and they help the child to understand what you think you need to do. And let's just do a quarter of an hour before dinner and then let's see what they have to do this week. So they coach the children and support and nurture them in that whole mental self-management skill. But they gradually introduce the concept, well, I think you can do this by yourself now. And so once the child has the tools and they, they have little timetables and the family is quite structured and they see where it's all and they have uh, little diaries and they, and they gradually actually enter into the adult world of self-management and self-planning. And uh, the research shows that in many families, by the time the child is eight, they expect them actually to be quite independent. That is, they know the skills, they know how to do it, they get a lot of reward and pleasure from it psychologically, just like we do. We enjoy ticking our lists and feeling, well, this project is finished and now we've gone to something else. And so once that child is into that cycle, those parents then just back off a little bit and encourage them and, and, and for them to become more autonomous. Now, some families are not like that at all, and the children have no autonomy. And they become increasingly anxious and they develop a sort of a, a, a conditioned response of anxiety, of unfinished work, deadlines not met, um, uh, procrastination, and, and the family doesn't help them to overcome that. And these children often do very poorly at school because of their anxiety. And at a more senior level where it can be overwhelming, in fact it very often is overwhelming, perhaps manageably so, getting used to the demands of a high school uh, assessment program, and particularly once you're into the NCEA, is that a time where you might re-engage and again practically help break down what might be a whole term's work or you know, what, oh. what feels like an overwhelming schedule? Absolutely, especially when you then have the adolescent sort of, um, uh, the reorganisation of the brain uh, during adolescence, um, Sort of, reg some children regress and, and they become quite childlike, and they just certainly they cannot cope, and so their nodes are disorganised, and and their and their bags are disorganised, and 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 a parent must must intervene and say, well, this is not quite working for you, so shall we work with you to try and create some order structure, and shall we organise your nodes together, uh, shall we make sure that you know you have a a plan for revision. And, and, and come and report to me, um, you know, what are your deadlines? Just like a good boss would do with one of their staff who maybe is really good but is lack self-organization. And the boss sort of sets in place some milestones, positive meetings, and just supports and, and structures that workload for that person because they're not so good at it. And, um, and so many... Uh, like I would say the average high school teacher would say, yeah, this is significant, it's a very... So significant children who can't actually cope with the self-management required because partly of adolescence and partly because of the lack of training in the younger years and partly because of their anxiety level just knocks out their ability to kind of solve this. 
What I hear from you is this is not so much about drumming in a whole bunch of rote learning. This is about, and particularly with the little kids, reinforcing some of the hard first learning that they're doing. Um, and for some of them it is, you know. We all remember writing out those first letters, for example. <laughs> and, you know, very carefully, um, and not so carefully in my case, uh, trying to get the shapes right even before we got further and further. So th- We've done fairly well, Catherine. <laughs> your letters. That was a, I pressed too hard. With my pencil, you see? And all these years later, I still remember it. Okay, the psychological Uh, scars are there. It's not about the rote learning or the hammering in. It's about creating a good habit and some good skills to to self-manage. What was the time, what were the calculations you mentioned again for the the very youngest? for a, for a junior primary school, if you multiply the age by two, say a five-year-old time two is ten minutes, that's easy. And for a, a, a child, say, who is ten, to, if you multiply that by two, that's 20 minutes. And that's most most teachers would say, that's fine, just that little bit of a reinforcement and practice every day, that's really cool. And for a junior primary, for a junior secondary school, if you multiply it, say, by three, say that, say that 14 times 3, that's around about, you know, we're getting towards three quarters of an hour, and that's most probably enough in year 9, year 10, if they do that most days of the week. And in the senior uh, school, you should multiply it, say, by 6. And so if you're 17 times 6, you're talking about one and a half hours, which if a student in senior secondary school does one and a half hours a day, they're guaranteed to do really well because they absorb and uh, retain so much knowledge. One thing we haven't... No, go ahead. Can can I just challenge you about the whole road learning thing? Because, in fact, you know, you you can't... When you're sitting an exam, in an external exam, you can't Google, you know, the the facts you need to know. And so it's a bit of a myth that we don't need to road learn, which is not true. Like, if you don't know your timetables or even your mental manipulations of addition and subtraction, you're not going to do it. And so the whole concept of the the more difficult subjects require actually a tremendous amount of content, and road learning is in fact a really good thing to to have that readily in your mind, so you can manipulate those facts immediately. And so to write a good essay, you have to be able to just download from your mind all the key points you want to make in ten minutes, write them down, and then write fluently about those ten points. Not road learning and not memorization is really, really really short-sighted because children have a tremendous capacity of memorization and they do need it in order to organize and write their thoughts. I'm with you. I'm probably the last person with the last job in the world for whom that kind of essay writing and information recall is actually a fundamental part of my job. But um, I I have many, many conversations with others who who kind of feel differently about it. But I'm I'm not going to question you further here. I do think people are in different places. People are in different places on this stuff. That's interesting. It's interesting to like, I think, interviews like that, they should challenge people's thinking. Um, That's very much the modern way of thinking of, of many, especially in primary school and increasingly in secondary school, that content is unimportant. Uh, and that memorization is is boring and and that it's poor teaching. Uh, But I think, in fact, many children, what happens then is you get the middle-class families who don't believe that and they pass on to their children uh, the skills of memorization, doing your timetable, uh, sitting down, also a lot of facts and and content. They talk about the table around the dinner table about the universe and the history of the kings of England. And what, what you have now is that you've got middle-class families 
or families who actually have a uh, an own personal family culture of knowledge, content, and, and structures and approaches to learning. And they go to a school where actually that is not going to happen that much, but they don't mind because they have got it anyway. But the children who don't have that, they then come to school and think, why is it that these people are so good? And why is it that I'm just not in the right level all the time? And why do I feel that I'm a bit of a failure? And that's because the schools are actually not quite equi uh, equitable. Uh, they, they don't show to the students that actually you need to know this. You need to learn that. So I think it's quite hypocritical for some people to say it's fine, it's fine, it all works fine, because the research shows it's not. The research shows that upper-class families, middle-class families, the children do way better at school because of this uh, family culture. I thank you for your time. Joseph Dreesen, parenting commentator and, uh, as we said, an education consultant uh, as well. Always uh, enjoy our time with him. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 